Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. Paul begins his letter to the Colossians with a powerful word of authority. He is, by the will of God, an apostle of the Messiah, Jesus. And together with Timothy, his brother in Christ, he speaks with the authority of God himself. In the ancient world, this might have been enough to establish the authority and divine source of these words. But today, if we type Colossians into our computers, we are immediately confronted by these words from Wikipedia. The epistle of Paul to the Colossians, often referred to simply as Colossians, is the 12th book of the New Testament. It was written according to the text by Paul the Apostle and Timothy to the church in Colossae, a small Phrygian city near Laodicea and approximately 100 miles from Ephesus in Asia Minor. Scholars have increasingly questioned Paul's authorship and attributed the letter to an early follower instead. The authenticity of the letter, however, has been defended with equal strength. If Paul was the author, he may have used an amanuensis or secretary in writing the letter, possibly Timothy. End quote. In today's critical and skeptical age, how can we know whether or not to trust these words? If Paul did not write this letter, if these opening words are a lie, how can we trust that any of its words are true? If the authority claimed by this letter is a false authority, how can we claim with sincerity that the letter to the Colossians is the word of the Lord? It may be helpful for us to understand why some scholars question whether Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians in the first place. The letter to Colossians and the letter to Ephesians are similar in structure and themes, and most scholars who believe that Paul did not write them, uh, who, most scholars who believe that Paul did write them believe that he wrote them at the same time during one of his imprisonments at the hands of secular authorities because of his preaching of the gospel. The style, structure, and themes of Colossians and Ephesians are unique among Paul's letters, very different from the arguments that he outlines in his letters to Rome and Corinth and Galatia. Paul's high view of the church in these letters and his exalted language of Christ has led some scholars to conclude that the letter to the Colossians was written after the establishment of the institutional church and after official Trinitarian theology began to be accepted by the wider Christian world. Other scholars point to Paul's acceptance of slavery and household roles in Colossians and Ephesians and claim that this is contrary to the radical gospel of equality that he preaches in his letter to the Galatians. Paul's vocabulary in Colossians is also unique. 
Paul uses 33 words in Colossians that don't appear anywhere else in the entire New Testament. And he uses 48 words that he doesn't use in any of his other letters. And since many of these words are technical theological terms, some scholars use this fact to claim that this letter reflects a more established theology of the church and the identity of Christ than Paul would have used in these early days of the Christian faith. Related is the fact that Paul nowhere in the letter to the Colossians quotes the Old Testament, which he does extensively in his other letters. Paul's other letters are rooted firmly in the revelation of God to his people in the Torah, the Psalms, the prophets, and some scholars use this to argue that Colossians is not written by someone as firmly rooted in the Jewish scriptures as Paul would have been. That's a lot. There are a few things that are important for us to remember as we explore these arguments. First, Paul writes this letter to a church that he has never met. Paul has never been to the church in Colossae. He knows about them because of reports from his fellow missionary Epaphras, who either wrote him a letter while he was in prison or came to visit him while he was in prison. And so we might understand that Paul could change his writing style, change his vocabulary, when he's writing to people who he doesn't know to help things make as much sense as possible. Second, it's important for us to remember that Paul writes this letter to a church that is mostly non-Jewish. And so we might expect that he would avoid quotes that might be unfamiliar to them from the Old Testament. Even though the book of Colossians has no direct quotes from the Old Testament, the letter is full of allusions and themes that are deeply rooted in the Jewish understanding of Scripture. And finally, if Paul is, as the letter claims, writing the letters to Ephesian, the Ephesians and the Colossians from prison, we can assume that such a profound experience of suffering and oppression might, might change some of the themes of his preaching and teaching. When we compare the first letter to the Corinthians to the second letter to the Corinthians, for example, we see very different themes and a very different method of argumentation following a profound experience of suffering that made the apostle despair of life itself. But most scholars don't question Paul's authorship of 2 Corinthians, even though it is by far the most different of Paul's letters. I don't want to be dismissive of critical scholarship, but it seems to me that the concerns of 19th century critical theory that Paul's view of the church in Colossians and Ephesians is too Catholic is an attempt to fit Paul into a box of our own making. It seems to me that the concerns of contemporary scholars that Paul doesn't go far enough in questioning the status quo in the ancient world is likewise an attempt to shape our own ideal version of the apostle. 
The picture of Paul and his theology that emerges when we read his entire collection of letters is more complicated, more messy, and more real than any of us are comfortable with. And that's part of the beauty of it, that whether we are Protestant or Catholic, conservative or liberal, Paul's letters as a whole challenge us, stretch us, and call us beyond our ideological divides to point us to Christ. Scholars who question whether Colossians is really written by the apostle are called critical scholars. But acceptance of the letter to the Colossians as Holy Scripture isn't uncritical. These words accepted by the church throughout the ages as the inspired word of God continue to form and shape our faith in ways that testify to their power and to their grace. And so we can say with conviction and assurance, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Paul's letter to the Colossian brings us to a world very foreign to us. A world of emperors and slaves, of angels and principalities, of spiritual wisdom and new moon celebrations, which we'll see later on in the letter. The world of the Bible can sometimes feel to us a lot more like Middle Earth than it does to our day-to-day lived experience in a world of astronauts and democracy and the World Wide Web. So what good does a letter full of advice for Christians living in the Roman Empire in late antiquity do for us today? Paul writes at a time when empires and governments asserted their authority by claiming that their authority came from the gods themselves. And so how do we make sense of his teaching about powers and principalities in a world where governments make no pretense about divine right, but have power vested in them by democratic process and a secular system of public accountability and judicial process? How do we apply Paul's teachings about husbands and wives, parents and children, slaves and masters in a country where no person has the kind of legal power over another as they did under the Roman system of patriarchy? We are separated from the Christians in Colossae by 2,000 years of history and 8,500 kilometers of the world. We are as far apart as Greek is from English as the culture of Turkey is from the culture of Canada, as the beliefs and customs of the pagan Roman world are from the beliefs and customs of Southern Ontario. This is what professors of preaching refer to as the hermeneutical gap, this great chasm that separates us from the world of the original hearers of the gospel. There is so much that separates us from the Christians in Colossae. How do we bridge the divide to receive these inspired words in our hearts today? For all its differences, though, there is much that we have in common with the Christians in Colossae. We live in a world ruled by forces far above and beyond our ability to to control. 
We live in a world where the dignity of human life is often recognized in words, but not in practice. We live in a world where powerful forces pressure us to live in a certain way, to act in a certain way, to believe in a certain way. As far as we are from the believers in ancient Colossae, we still live in a world of powers and principalities of spiritual forces of darkness that seek to control this world and the people in it. We still live in a world that operates on the currency of power. We still live in a world where human beings live in slavery. And in this world, in our world, Paul's letter to the Colossians speaks a powerful word of hope and assurance and challenge. Jesus is Lord. Not the entertainment industry, not the global economy, not the military industrial corporations that spend billions of dollars on advertising trying to control how we buy and how we live. Jesus is Lord. No one else has the authority to tell us what is true. No one else has the authority to tell us what is right. No one else has the authority to tell us whose lives matter and who deserves death? Jesus is Lord. Paul at every turn subverts the cultural assumptions perpetuated by the Roman imperial machine to prop up its own power. The Roman Empire said that Caesar was Lord over all the earth. Paul says that Jesus is Lord over all the earth. The Roman Empire said that the man was the Lord of the house. Paul says, Jesus is the Lord of the house. The Roman Empire said that the master was the Lord of the slave. Paul says that Jesus is the Lord of both the master and the slave. Jesus is Lord over all the earth. In our own day and age, this confession of faith is as subversive, as dangerous, as threatening to the powers and principalities of this world as it was in Paul's time. Like the Christians in Colossae, we are citizens of the kingdoms of this world, but we live, Paul calls us to live, as citizens of the kingdom of God, the new creation which has already broken into this world in the person of Jesus Christ and lives in us through the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.